I think that we can together make a difference. Second Kings 4 and 1, if you have a Bible that you still carry that's like a book form or an app that you use, Second Kings 4 and 1. Second Kings 4 and 1. Beautiful story today that God has laid on my heart for all of us today, and I'm excited about seeing the miraculous power of God work in this place today. And I truly feel in my spirit that God is going to give us a, a miracle today for many people and for our church today. 2 Kings 4 and 1, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha the prophet, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Well, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty the, empty the vessels, do not gather just a few, empty vessels, do not gather just a few, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those empty vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. And the sons brought the vessels, and she poured it out as her sons helped her. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And, and he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased when the vessels ceased. The oil flowed as long as there was a vessel for it to flow into. But when there were no more vessels... There was no more flow, no more oil. So then she came and told the man of God in verse 7, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay your debt, and then you and your sons can live on the leftovers. What an incredible miracle in the Old Testament from the prophet of God and God's power. And I believe that today your miracle needs you. I believe today your miracle needs you. I know you think you need your miracle, but I want to flip it today and tell you, your miracle needs your help. Someone's going to get a miracle in this place today. Your miracle needs your help. It's not automatic, but I feel it in my spirit that God's going to do it. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated today in the house of God. Once again, thank you for being here. I'm excited about this, looking forward to how the Holy Ghost is going to minister in this place today. Um, how many of you could agree with me today and say there are so many things that you want to see happen in your life? I know you've got dreams and you've got goals and you've got things you maybe don't tell anybody, but deep inside your heart, you've got things you want to see happen. Every single one of us has a secret dream, vision of what we want to see happen. That's okay. We've got family that we know needs Jesus Christ. How many of y'all got family that you know they need Jesus Christ? And you want to see Jesus help them. How many have financial dilemmas that you know you need an answer, you need a miracle in your financial dilemma? You've got sickness. You can see on the wall when we pray in this church that there are many needs in this church, many people who are asking and believing for God to give them a miracle in their body. We have a world that needs Jesus Christ. And we are supposed to reach those people and help them find the hope that they're looking for. 
We have ministry potential in this church that has not been fully developed, uh, and we need to see it fully developed in this church. Uh, we've got so many people in this place, it would blow your mind to know that God has set up people in this room today to become the most powerful, anointed people of God for the last day revival, and we need to see them develop and take off in Jesus' name. This year, we want to fund the finish, and we want to finish this facility that our wonderful bishop and bishop's wife and church has built for the past 10 years. We want to see it finished in Jesus' name. Does anybody want to see it finished in Jesus' name? But the truth is, we are completely, 100% limited on what we can do. Everybody say we're limited. Go ahead and confess it because those of you that have a battle of struggle of pride, you've got to admit sometimes I am limited and that's okay. You have got to know who you are. It is not a lack of faith to confess the truth because truth and faith do not fight. Truth and faith do not fight. The truth sets you up for the miraculous by telling you that you are limited. You cannot accomplish the goals you have by yourself. In your own ability and power, it is completely impossible. That is not a lack of faith. That is a fact. And you have got to first admit and confess today that I am limited. I am just a human, and I can't do everything I want to see done on my own. We are afraid that we will offend our family when we reach out to them with Jesus Christ because we are limited. We feel that finances have gone too far, and we are limited to fix it. Doctors have done all they can because we are limited. Every day, people seem to move further and further away from God in this nation, in this world, and it seems like it's just too difficult to make a difference in this world. We have to work and live life, and then we have to try to minister after being busy all week long, burned out, always, always tired. We have to find a way, but we are limited. How can we possibly supply the finances to finish this building with our limited funding? Here's some more truth today. God is not afraid of our limitations. God's not worried one bit about it. You can pray like this, God, I can't, but you can. Faith confesses what you can't do and what God can do. You have to have a perfect mix of both statements. God, I can't. I'm limited, but I know that you can. That's what faith is. Faith is the unlimited ability to reach the things you cannot do in your impossible situations. God is not afraid of our limitations. You see, God made us limited. When God made you, he made you limited. It's part of the packet. God made you with the ability to not do it all. God made you with a limitation, a line, a block where you can't do everything. If you could, you'd be God. You were built and created with the ability to only do so much. Let me say it like this. You were built having to have God. You were made having to need Him. You were built 
not finished. You were built incomplete on purpose. You were built with a design to have to have a God that can do anything. And the reason why you feel like something is missing is because you were built unfinished on purpose. You were built with a need in your life. You were built with a desire to have things you can't have unless a supernatural higher power steps in and gives it to you. You were built with a limitation, and it is the divine design of God for you to need him today. God made you lacking so that he would have relevance in your life. God has no relevance without your need. How good is God if everyone is perfect? How does God be God if we're all like God? The only separation of us and God is the fact that he can do anything and we can only do so much. So this limitation is not our flaw. It doesn't define our destiny. It simply reminds us each day that we are in need of a higher power. It's not a bad thing. It's not something to be sad about. It's not something to cry about. When you realize you can't, uh, that is not a recipe of a disaster. When you realize you can't do something, it does not mean you should sit down and cry. But what it means is uh, you were built to lean on the power of God. You were built to come to him in times of distress, uh, in times of pain. You were built to call on his name. You were created to be with God. It's all right. Everybody say it's all right. It's all right to confess I don't have everything I need on my own, that I need Jesus, something that can save us, Jesus, heal us, Jesus, and keep us. He is the one that we need. Our limitations completely, 100%, will give our God a relevance because Jesus said, the whole don't need a physician. Jesus said, that you don't need me if you don't have a problem. So how does God get needed? How do we need him? Our limitations set us up for our connection. Stop looking at your limitations as your holdback, but look at them as your setups because a limitation is a beacon call. It is an eye-opener to the fact that you need God in your life. And if you never had a sickness, you'd never need Jesus. You'd never want him. You'd never ask for him. You'd never go to church. If you could do it all by yourself, you'd never have that relationship that you're looking for with Jesus. Is anybody glad today that you can find him in your limitations? Your limitations are not the end. They are the beginning. Your limitations are not something to cry about. They're something to shout about. Lift up your voice and seek him. For he is the great physician for everything that's ailing you today. Jesus is the answer to your problems. All this talk about people losing their jobs, but God is out of work when people don't have a need. God is out of work when people think they can do it on their own. And nothing hurts us like thinking we can do it without God. Nothing hurts us like having everything we need in our American culture. Nothing hurts our walk with God like thinking we have no limitations. 
it's completely okay for us to confess and admit today that we know that there are impossibilities in this life without God. But the good news is today we know that with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Everything is possible. Every single thing that you worry about with God is possible. You know, you and I, we live in a realm of limits. That's just the realm we live in. And we each have a unique set of limits. We don't have the same limits, even though we all have some limits, like none of us can fly. We can all fall, but none of us can fly. But even on a more micro scale, we all have unique limitations. There are some things you can do better than me. Some of y'all can put air conditioners in, and I, I can turn it on. That's about it. Some of y'all can do accounting, and some of y'all can do plumbing, and some of y'all can do electrical, and y'all got, got talents that I can't do. I am limited in many areas and many things, and I've got things I can do that you can't do. We are all limited in different ways, in unique ways. We all have our unique set of limits, regardless of our gifts and our talents. We are all limited in some way. Does everybody believe that? I hope no one thinks here you can do everything by yourself. It's impossible. We've got to confess that we are gifted in some areas and we are weak in other areas. I hope that doesn't depress you. I hope you don't lose sleep over that. I don't lose sleep over the fact that I'm not going to be the, maybe the greatest world-traveling evangelist because I'm a pastor. So I'm going to do the pastor part the best I can, and I'm not worried about the parts that I can't do because I can't be good at everything. I'm not going to get depressed about that. I'm going to confess that so I can work on that and so I can lean on God. It's okay to admit there are some things I have limits on, even if others excel in those areas, I may fail in those areas, and that's okay, because everybody's good at something. Every one of you in this place today is good at something. Every single one of you is good at something. Do not believe the devil's lies. Everybody has a place in the kingdom of God. Everybody has a place. The person that's brand new in church that doesn't know how to do anything except for shout and thank God for grace, that's your talent. Because there are some folks that have been blessed for 30 years that they forgot how to do it. And they might know how to pay their tithes and sit on that pew, but they may not be as good as you as the shouting and the praising that is due our God. Everybody's got to bring their part to the table. Everybody's good at something. So do your part. Do your part. Don't get depressed over it because your limitation is not mine and mine is not yours. It's all right. This is why we don't compare ourselves among ourselves. This is why the Bible tells us not to compare ourselves among ourselves. Because you might have the gift of talking, but somebody else has the gift of not talking. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. God knows we need both gifts in the church. Or we would go crazy. Because every one of y'all didn't know how to talk, we wouldn't be able to have revival, right? But if everybody was talking, we wouldn't be able to have revival. It takes all types in the kingdom, on the team, in the body, and we thank God and we celebrate 
our uniqueness. But listen to me. I'm going further with this. This is why God doesn't seem to ever play favorites. He doesn't, or he seems to play favorites sometimes, but he does not ever play favorites with us. But some people think that God plays favorites with certain people that he likes more. But God does not respond to actions. God responds to faith. That's why the miracles in the Bible all had the same ending, but they all had a different beginning. They all end up with a miracle. They all end up healed. They end up getting the answer, but they began differently. Let me, let me show it to you like this. Blind Bartimaeus, he couldn't see Jesus. He was blind, but he heard that Jesus was on the way through. And as he could hear the crowd hearing these voices, he thought to himself, I can't see him to walk to him. The only thing I can do is shout to get his attention. So the Bible says blind Bartimaeus began to shout and lift his voice up, not because shouting is how you get a miracle, but because for blind Bartimaeus, shouting was all he could do to get a miracle. So he began to shout, not because shouting is the tried and true way for you to get your eyesight back. That's not a biblical thing. Oh, ye that shout shall renew thy vision. <laughs> Jeremiah. That's not in the Bible. God does not respond to action. God responds to faith. And so this man began to shout because what are you supposed to do if you're blind? Shout. Shout. They said, be quiet, man. Jesus is busy. You know what he did? He got louder. Because Jesus didn't stop whenever he shouted the first time. Jesus didn't stop until he shouted louder. Because it's not about the action. It's not about the thing. It's about the faith. But listen to me. Faith shows up differently in different people. That's why you can't copy somebody method of miracles that's why you can't do what somebody else did to get your miracle because you don't have the same limitation as somebody else i want to help somebody get a miracle in this place but what we have done is we have said how'd you get your miracle oh well then i will shout because you shouted but that doesn't work you could even be another blind man, and the shouting might not work for you the same way because you might have to shout three times for Jesus to stop for you. Because if you can get louder, then there's something left inside of you that's, that has not been met. There's a quota there. You haven't reached your limit yet. He shouted, and then he got louder. Is there any room in your shout? And I'm talking about shout in a generic sense. Is there any room in your limitations? Because I know we like to say, I've given all that I can, God. But it's funny how when you want a real miracle, you find a little extra. Stop saying I've done it all. Because Jesus always stops when you've done it all. I can almost say it like this. If he hadn't stopped, you can be louder. Maybe it's not his fault. Maybe you've got something left in the tank that you don't want to give. Maybe you don't want to participate in your mirror. Because it is the temptation of every one of us to take the easy road out. Jesus, 
That's all I can do. Jesus, that's all I've got, Pastor. I can just barely hold on, Pastor. Only you know what you got inside of you to give. Faith is not an action that somebody else did to get a miracle. So while you and I read the stories in the Bible, we can't copy them. We can't copy the action. That's why some of y'all have tried to walk on water and you fell in the, in the swimming pool. You, you can't copy the, the action to get the result. You could shout today and not have anything happen. Because your limitation is different than their limitation. Now, let me take it further. Watch this. There was another woman who needed a miracle, and she couldn't stop bleeding in her body. The Bible says she shouted like the blind man. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Shouldn't she have taken a page out of Bartimaeus' book? Hey, what did Bartimaeus do last week? Well, he shouted, oh, Jesus! I'm going to close my eyes like a blind person. Jesus! Jesus! She, she didn't copy the method of someone else's limitation. But here's what she did in her own unique set of limitations. There was a crowd gathered around Jesus, and she couldn't get to him except she crawl. So this little woman did what she could to get to Jesus. It wasn't a shout that got his attention. It wasn't someone else's action. It was her own faith producing a creative way for her to get to God the only way she could. So the Bible says she crawled through the crowd and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. It wasn't in the action. It was in her ability to reach her limitation because faith is not an action. It's a limit. Have you reached your limit to get to your miracle? Have you reached the line? Are you that desperate? Do you have anything left inside of you to truly get God's attention? Because I've come to tell you today, God will send virtue out. If you will pour out your limitation, God will pour out the unlimited. You have to reach the limit to get to the unlimited. Why are there miracles in third world countries? Why are there miracles... Uh, uh, in, in Africa in a tribe where everyone's poor and not in America am I not answering your question those people have to have a miracle they can't go to a doctor they either get healed or they die but we got backup plans after backup plans after backup plans we know where the miracles are the miracles are tied to the limits and it's hard when you have everything good to push the limits. Why is God not moving in America? That's not the question. Why are we not getting louder in America? Why are we not crawling in America? That's the problem. The problem is not the God that moves and the God that heals. The problem is the person refusing to go to their limit and do all they can for their miracle. We have got it so good, we have got it all good, that we refuse to crawl, we refuse to shout, we refuse to ask, we refuse to do whatever it takes. And therefore, miracles are silent. So today I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost, your miracle needs your help. 
church needs a miracle. But it needs our help. There's so many visions and dreams we have said, and it's easy to say them. And there's so many people in our church that need a miracle, and it's easy to say it, but it's hard to push to the limit. Until we learn to push to the limits, I don't believe we're going to see the miraculous happen in the last days. Please hear me today. Your limit is not someone else's limit. You can't copy somebody else's act of faith and expect it to work for you. Faith has a limit, and you have got to get to your limit. Your faith is special because your faith will have you take a road no one else will take to get to your miracle. So stop when you feel the Holy Ghost moving, copying somebody beside you, and do what you feel like you got to do to get your miracle. I want to say it like this. If Jesus is standing at the beginning of impossible, and we want to meet him there, we can only go to the end of possible. Where does impossible begin? At the end of possible. Our goal, our mission it's not to do the impossible. It's hard enough to do the possible. Our goal, our calling, our faith does not require us to do impossible things. Our faith asks us to do the possible. And so today I've come to tell you, if you want to meet God at the edge of your miracle, you will have to meet him at the edge of possible got to get to the end of your limit so that God can begin something unlimited. You've got to invest into the things that you can do. I am convinced 100% that true faith in God is willing to invest the possible in order to arrive at the limitation before God will ever work the impossible things in our lives. After all, why would God do something we can do? That's a question that we all need to ask today. This is a serious question that I have pondered for years. God, do you want me to do things? Do you want me to, you, you want me to do what I can do, or should I sit back and wait on you to do the things I, I can do? This is a question we've got to answer in this day of where, where are the miracles at. This is a question we have got to answer. Does God, is God supposed to do the things we are supposed to do? Or are we supposed to do them? Did God not give us the power to brush our teeth so we don't have to pray for new ones? Is that hard to understand? The Bible says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows into the ground, it will grow. I'll say it like this. You might only put a little bit in but you know how the law of the harvest works, right? A whole lot comes back out. It's amazing how just doing a few things for a little while can produce such pain in our lives. So I have come to pose a question today before we have the miraculous power of God unlocked and unleashed in 2021. Why would God do something we can do? Would you ever learn not to fall if Jesus caught you every time? Would you ever learn anything if he 
just took care of everything that ever happened for you, we would never grow and develop and walk with God. So listen to me today. I found some patterns in the miracles of God's Word. As it pertains to healings and bodily miracles in the Scripture, this goes in with what we're trying to do this week with our, our fasting and our health. Here's some patterns. Brother Hall, I know you and I talk a lot about the Word of God. I love talking about the Word of God. Here's some patterns. Are you ready for them? Patterns is how you find doctrine. Patterns is how you know God. I have not found patterns in the healings of people's physical bodies connected to specifically a poor diet or unhealthy lifestyle. I have not found in the New Testament, in the Scriptures, in our Holy Word of God, God coming down and saying, I know that you have been eating cotton candy for 45 years, but I bless this body right now. Everything's done. I'm going somewhere. I studied the Scripture and I look at all the miracles. You go look them up when you get home. Look up what kind of miracles they were. They weren't related to health problems. They were paralyzed people, deaf people, blind people, dead people. You don't find records of Jesus fixing things that people can fix themselves. Thank you, Bishop. When it gets quiet, just say stuff like that every now and then. Just, I'm with that man. Ha ha, yeah. Just support me back there in the back. It's good. It gets kind of quiet. I know that God can heal anything. I believe that 100%. I, I truly believe that. I believe God can heal any single thing, and I believe we should ask God for it. But sometimes I wonder why I'm asking God to bless this cheesecake to my body. Has anybody prayed for dinner but not dessert? I have literally prayed over my salad and like, Lord, bless this to my body. And I'm like feeling good about that prayer. But then the dessert gets there and I'm like, Lord, we're not going to talk about this, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and eat this one. And we're not going to, I'm not praying over this one because you, you're right. I know better, but it's super good. You know, it's kind of like, would you jump off a cliff and then pray God to give you wings? I've got lots of faith. Okay, God, work. Give me wings. God's like, I gave you a brain, dude. You're dead. <laughs> You'd use your brain. You wouldn't need other parts. You wouldn't need all the extra. you just use your brain. I know that in our excitement about God and miracles, sometimes we take things too far and we are out of context. And every now and then we've got to scale back the supernatural spiritual stuff and remember that God gave us wisdom. And I think that it's silly that we have created a doctrine that we can do whatever we want to ourselves and God will rescue us. And so as I've studied patterns in the scripture, I have found that God wants to take care of all the things we can't take care of. But I have not found a pattern where God will want to do the things that he's asked us to do. So, let me close this part out, this awkward part out. Let me close this awkward part out by saying a literal prayer I have prayed after a whole week of eating junk food. I'm not kidding. I literally had junk food one whole week, and I repented because I felt like a dog.
I felt horrible. I was sick. I won't tell you all the problems I had, but they're bad problems that human beings have. And I literally begged God, and here was my prayer. I said, Lord, forgive me for being stupid. Forgive me, God, for being addicted to junk food. Forgive me, Lord, for going in excess. I know better. And that was unwise for me to eat that way. I said, Lord, if you will just heal me and get me out of this, I will make a change. You know why I said that? Because I, I couldn't feel good about saying, God, please heal me so I can go do it again. You know how awkward that would be to pray that prayer? Lord, can you get me better? Because I sure want to go do some more. See, y'all are laughing because you know this is silly. And I'm just using the food thing because we all love food. But this is, this is bigger than food. This is anything you have the power to change that's built inside of you that you're waiting on God to do. You haven't even reached the limit yet, and then you're wondering where your God is. Why are there commandments in the Scripture if God's doing everything for us? Why is God telling us to do stuff all the time if he's supposed to do everything for us? There are commandments in the, in the Scripture because there's a lot we are responsible for to accomplish, and the rest that we cannot do is God's, God's realm. So I asked God for help, and I'm serious about it. For at least another week, I eat vegetables. And then sometimes I'll do it again, <laughs> and I'll repent and say, God, this is stupid. I'm dumb. And I'm trying to get those occasions to decrease. <laughs> I'm trying to have it to where I don't do it every month or every year. And I want to get to be where I'm moderate all the time. But that's how I've prayed because it felt weird for me to pray, God, rescue me from something I keep doing myself. And I couldn't ask God for that. And I wonder today, what are you asking? What else are we asking for God to do that we are doing to ourselves? Or for God to undo? that we are making worse every single day. It would be a bad investment for God to heal us from something that we're going to undo the next day. That's why the Bible says repent and then I'll give you the Holy Ghost. Not get the Holy Ghost and then repent. Because it doesn't do any good for you to get the Holy Ghost if you're going to go right back to living in the world. Because the purpose of the Holy Ghost is to keep you on the track that you just set your feet on. God always requires the willingness to change before he blesses you with the supernatural. Because the supernatural doesn't do any good for someone who wants to go back to the natural. That's the pattern that I found in Scripture. Here's the second one, and here's how we'll close today. Impossible miracles almost always require an investment from the one that's wanting the miracle. 2 Kings 4, as our text stated, Elisha said, Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what's in your house. And she said, I don't have anything, just this jar of oil. Elisha said, you've got to give me something to work with. You've got to give me something to work with here. Listen, if you want a miracle, you've got to give up something to work with. Don't come into the equation. If you've got something in your house and just a jar of oil, that's all you need. Listen to me today. What little you have left is enough for a miracle. I want to encourage someone right now and tell you, you may not have a whole lot, but God doesn't need a whole lot. He just needs you to be willing to give what you've got. 
God is the great multiplier. He doesn't care how much it is. He cares if you're willing to go to the limit. Will you give me what's left over? Will you give me the last of the limit? Or are you willing to buy into the miracle? got to always put something up to get more in return and with God Elisha said are you willing to give up the last of it that's the word I feel today for someone in this place you've been waiting on a miracle but you refuse to give your last jar but you have no clue what's in store for you if you'll just give up that last jar I feel the Holy Ghost right now in this place someone in this room today you've never given up your last jar and you've never had the miracle you've wanted And the Holy Ghost sent me to tell you, if you'll just be willing to give the last jar, God's about to multiply it. God's about to change it. God's going to use it. Then he says in verse 3, go, and I want you to borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Don't just gather a few. Look at the prophet said, don't gather a few now. Because he knew what was going to happen. So sometimes miracles require community. Will your neighbors even work with you? Because here's what I thought when I thought about this. Some folks, nobody wants to let them borrow anything because they don't trust them. You can't have a miracle by yourself. There are some things you need community for. And if people aren't willing to invest in your miracle with you, there are some things you might never have. Because part of her receiving her miracle was having good relationship with her neighbors. I want the miracle, but I don't want to invest in anything besides me. It's not just about you giving your last, but it's about you being invested in other people's lives. And so imagine this. This mom and these two sons are walking around their neighbors saying, look, I need all the vessels you got. I need every empty vessel you got. I just want to borrow them, and I'll bring them back. And these people are like, okay, crazy lady. With one, one bottle of oil, what you going to do? All these pots. So she goes, and they start gathering But notice the warning, don't just get a few. And this is the hardest part. This is what the Holy Ghost showed me for our church today. Before you can ever have an outpouring, you have to be willing to invest in the empty. I want to let it settle in today. This is the hardest part about a miracle. You've got to learn how to invest in things that seem like they're nothing. I'm literally talking about how I'm reading this story and the Lord is just laying it out. He said, tell that church, this is the hardest part about getting a miracle. Because the miracle's fast. But walking around to your neighbor's houses, begging for help, bringing it all back, that's the part you got to have your faith for. Because anybody can have faith when they're pouring. But it takes somebody with real faith to gather empty vessels and prepare so if you can invest in empty things here's a word for our church if we can invest in empty things if we can invest in things that don't already have it together if we can invest in broken things if we can invest in things we find in our community that are broken and empty if we can find them and bring them in God can fill them up God can provide a miracle. See, today is not prophetic just for you, but today is prophetic for Austin First Church. 
Because this story that God gave me as a, a symbol of what God's going to do this year in our church, uh, this is a symbol not just for you and your miracle. This is a symbol for our church. Because God is going to take every single core member of this church and he's going to bring us to our limit this year. Yeah. And the miracle, the miracle working power of God is going to fall on this church this year because we are not going to make excuses anymore that God will do it one day. We are going to meet God at the line. We are going to meet God in 2021 at the limit. We will scour and scrounge and find every empty vessel we can by faith because we know that if we can find something empty, God will fill it up. He will fill it up. In a moment, God will fill it up. I told you, God's going to do a quick work in the last days. We'll spend most of our time looking for empty vessels. And in a moment, God will fill them up. So the Bible says this woman went and gathered these empty vessels. And the Bible says in verse 4, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you. I don't know. I asked God last night. I said, God, why, why does this matter that you shut your door? But the Bible says specifically the commandment was from the prophet, when you get these, you come and you shut the door and you do begin to pour into those vessels and set aside the full ones telling off on the fact that there will be a lot of oil flowing when you begin this process. So she did just like the prophet said, and she began to pour it, and her sons would bring a vessel, and she would pour it. Her sons would bring a vessel, and she would pour. But listen, she was told to go into her home, to shut the door, and start pouring. And here's what the Lord showed me. The prophet did not need to be present for the oil to flow. The door was a symbol of shutting out everybody else because the miracle that you can do, you can do it all by yourself with you and your family. After you've engaged your community, you don't need anything else except that word and that obedience. And the Lord wanted me to tell you, the prophet does not have to be present for the oil to flow on your family. I'm going to say it again so it gets in your spirit. The prophet does not have to be in your house for the oil to flow in your house. In the end time revival, God is going to let parents pour out oil over their own homes and the prophet won't have to be present. You can just receive a word. You can go to the house and God can flow wherever you live, whatever you're going through. You don't need the prophet in your house. You just need his word and submission to God's ways and the oil will flow and rescue you and your home and your debt. So shut the door because everything you have is in your house. Every answer you need is in your house. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. She poured what her sons brought. Her sons brought, she poured. Her sons brought, she poured. What she was doing for her sons she had to do with her sons. This was all about her son. The whole story is I'm scared that my sons will go into slavery. I'm scared I'll lose my boy. Yeah. And the Lord spoke to me and said what she was doing for her sons, she had to do with her sons.
miracle that you're going to see in your home and your family and your life will not be disconnected from the ones that you're trying to get a miracle for. And the days of us just calling out their names, it's not going to work. We will have to somehow find a way to partner up with the people we're praying for. We're going to have to somehow find a way to get in the same house so that God can flow out of us into them. So the Lord said, tell them you can't have a miracle for something without involving the thing. You have to involve them in the process. And God knows in the day we're living in, we need our sons to be poured into. If you want a miracle in your family, you need to pour with your family. may not can pour right now, listen to me, but if they can receive, your sons can be free. Don't worry about what your sons don't have. Just start to pour because their hope is in your pour and their reception. And it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, we're all out. So the oil stopped. The oil only stopped when there were no more vessels. A church that has no more empty vessels is a church where the spirit stops moving. Our spirit is pointless. If it has nothing to work in, nothing to move to, nothing to go to, what is the point of a spirit of God, an anointing that has nothing to work on? A spirit dries up in a church every time there are no new vessels. And the Lord wanted me to tell this place, if we will gather the vessels, the oil will never stop flowing in this church. We must bring the empty vessels by faith, and the oil will never stop flowing. And we won't just deal with their freedom. We'll fix our future. If we will invest in somebody else's past, God will fix our future. Who am I talking to today in this place, this whole church? If you are willing to bless somebody because of the debt and because of the creditors, God will give you more than their victory. He'll give you your future's victory. And we've got to be willing to invest in empty things. Hallelujah. Oh, I could preach on that for a while, but i got to hurry. The oil was... The oil was impossible, and God supplies the oil, and the widows simply had to search for willing vessels open and ready to be filled. And here is the principle. The more vessels, the more oil. God just needs a vessel to use. God just needs a vessel. 
listen to me today. We don't have an oil problem. We have a vessel problem. Just bring us vessels that are empty and wanting to be filled. And God is faithful. He will pour out for in the last days. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, saith the Lord. You bring me somebody that wants it, and I'll put it inside of them. Thank you, Jesus. So this year, God told me we're going to become available this year. And we're going to reach our limit this year. No more excuses. The Lord told me that not everyone will make it through the shaking that's been happening in this world. And surely some have been shaking. And now they are breaking but this pandemic will not take people out. Listen to me. It's not going to take anybody out. It's just going to reveal who wasn't really in. Well, well, it got them out. No, it didn't get anybody out. You don't go out because of an outside circumstance. You go out because you were never in. You were backsliding on a pew. Your heart wasn't there. And everything that can be shaken in the last days will be shaken. And so if you start to feel yourself shaking, you need to go into a prayer meeting and go ahead and shake that way. Because that kind of shaking will keep you stable in the last days. Pray until the place you're praying begins to shake and the chains fall off and you're all the way in. Because in the last days, there's going to be a shaking. And the Lord told me it's all right if some fall away in the last days and they will. We are not to be discouraged. We are not to be discouraged by those who can't handle the shaking. Because God does not need everybody. God does not need the strength of us. God does not need the perfection of the church. God needs willing vessels. And it doesn't matter how many we have when we began this end time revival. What matters is we're open, we're available, and ready for God to use us. It doesn't matter. We will not be discouraged. We will not put our head down. We are not weaker for it. We are stronger for it. Because the shaking takes off those who were a distraction. The shaking takes off those who were there to cause problems. The shaking takes off those who were calling us and bringing us further down. Listen, after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he showed himself alive to 500 people, but how many went to the upper room? 500 said, oh, I see you, you're real, but 120 said, I'll obey you, let's go to the upper room and get the Holy Ghost. Where are the 380? Where are the 380 at? But listen, don't be discouraged. 120 obeyed God. And on that day, 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000 people in one day were added to the church, filled with the Spirit of God. 120 faithful people. It wasn't, it wasn't about the numbers. It wasn't about how many they had. It was about the willingness to be used by God. And God is going to use this church no matter how many we have when the pandemic's done. God told me, whoever's left, I will anoint them. The Lord said, whoever is left after the shaking, after the politics, after the pandemic, whoever's still on those pews and faithful, he said, I will anoint those 120. I will anoint those, and it will be exactly what you need to accomplish the end-time revival. 
right, so my question today is, uh, do you want to be a part uh, of the end time revival with Austin First Church? Uh, you can. You can be here every Sunday, every Wednesday, and you can be a part of it uh, in this upper room, uh, and we can see the most beautiful, amazing signs, miracles, and wonders. Uh, we can be a part of something eternal in the last days. God has spoken. God has spoken. God is going to raise up an army in the last days of whoever's left over, and it will be enough. Vessels filled with the power of God to accomplish God's agenda on the earth. Last night when I was studying, I heard a voice say, what kind of church do you go to? It was the weirdest thing. And I thought, Lord, I've heard this a lot. It's what everybody asks me whenever I invite them to church or they find out I'm a pastor. They say, what kind of church do you go to? And the Lord said, why are they asking that question? And he wanted me to think about it. And I said, because people want a certain kind of church. He said, what are you going to tell them what kind of church you are? And, I saw, and he said, he said, why are you a kind of church? You know what I wanted to say? I'm the Pentecostal kind. And the Lord said, you're not a kind. I said, you know what? You're right, God. I'm not a kind of church. I am the church. Something's happening in the last days. And I feel like now, when someone asks me what kind of church I am, I think I'm going to have to say it like this. The same church that was in the Bible is the kind of church I am. I think we need to change something on this Sunday, this, this prophetic Sunday. I'm more than Pentecostal. I'm the same church. I'm tired of people thinking I'm just a Pentecostal. I'm the same church. I do it the same way. I talk in tongues like they do. I baptize the way they do. We send missionaries to the world like they do. I preach the letters they preach. I am the same church as that church. There's no such thing as a kind of church when you are the church. I think in the last days, I'm going to stop telling people I'm a Pentecostal, and I'm going to tell them I'm the same church as in the book of Acts. I feel some boldness in this place right now. I feel like God is going to raise somebody up and anoint you right now in Jesus' name. I feel a prophetic word of God and spirit right now. Would you stand to your feet and lift up your hands? It's time to tell the world we are the same church. It's time to tell the world we are the same church. We're the same church with the same freedom, the same joy, the same doctrine, the same message. We are the church that should see miracle signs and wonders. We're the church. We're not a kind of church. We are the church. Anybody ready for a miracle today in this place? Yeah. 
If you want a healing inside of your body right now, everybody that needs a healing, lift your hands up right now. If you feel like your problem is connected to maybe a lifestyle that you have had, that God didn't do it to you, it's not the devil, it's a lifestyle. I want you to repent with me right now. I'm going to join you in the name of Jesus. Everybody, let's all pray. You can pray for somebody else's need because we're going to pray for God to heal your body. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we repent. We know that the culture we live in is fast food. We know the culture we live in is have it now. Do what you want to do. But we are seeing the effects in our bodies. And we have sickness, God. Sickness running through the church. Sickness, God, and pain and, and issues. And right now, Lord, we want you to help us heal the root problem. We know that's the real issue. We know that the issue is we keep damaging ourselves. But God, you, can see, you told us we can do anything. If we will come to the limit, uh, you will do the impossible. And right now, God, I'm believing there are people right now that are saying, Lord, from this moment on, I commit, God, with your help, I am going to reach my limit so you can do the impossible in my body. In the name of Jesus Christ, if you're praying that prayer, if you're ready to make a change, in the name of Jesus Christ, reverse the effects of the bad decisions reverse the effects of the stress eating reverse the effects of emotional eating reverse the effects of having to have it when I want it reverse it right now God give healing to their bodies God rescue them God take away the diabetes God fix the heart disease God repair the cancers in the name of Jesus Christ we repent we're going to give you our life this year body, soul, and spirit. God, begin a work of reversal for their bodies in the name of Jesus. I call it out right now, God. Reverse that cancer, God. Reverse those cells that are dying inside. Reverse, God, the cholesterol and all the problems in the veins. God, we will commit to do our part. And in the name of Jesus, do your part. I seal them right now in Jesus' name. There will be victory in this church. There will be health in this church. We will have health and victory in our bodies. We will not live in perpetual pain in the name of Jesus. We will do our part. And I believe that God is faithful. Receive your healing right now. Healing's a process. I said receive your healing right now. Heal the emotions right now. Heal the emotions. The emotions. Come on, I know, I've been there. I'm a pastor. Sometimes I just want to go eat something and get over my problems and my depression. I get you. I understand you. But I've got to heal it right now. Be a part of the process. Your miracle needs you. Oh, God, help me. I'm dealing with a very awkward situation, and I don't want to. But, God, people are dying, and people are getting sick. And help me, God, just do your will today. Your miracle needs you, sir. Your miracle needs you, ma'am. Will you join with God in this process? Will you do what you can do so God can do what you can't? Someone right now, you need the Holy Ghost, but you got to do your part. The Bible says repent. Repent. You've got to go to your limit. You've got to go to your limit so that God can do the supernatural. He will fill you with the Spirit right now. If you will open up an empty vessel, God will give you the Holy Ghost right now. He is faithful who has promised to us. Come on, give God something to work with. Your miracle needs you today. Your miracle needs you right now. Would somebody involve yourself in the process? 
Will somebody who has a financial problem take out your bank account, read through what you spend your money on, and tell God, help me stop spending. Help me be smart. I'll do my part. Will you bless it, God? I promise to be faithful with my tithing and my offering, God. I'll do my part, God. Now, will you come and do your part? Would someone help the miracle out today? Will someone bring God something to work with today? If you want to put your mask on and come down here and pray as a point of faith, this is a miracle day for somebody. The process will begin in this place. The process is beginning right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I feel, I feel your spirit right now trying to talk to somebody in this place. In the name of Jesus. Come on, your kids need a miracle, but you've got to pull yourself out into them. You've got to join with the miracle. You can't just pray for them. You've got to invest into them. Invest into them. Invest into your marriage. Stop just asking for God for it. Do your part. Do your part. This is your service to receive the supernatural miracle from God. Would you give God something to work with today in this place? Bring an empty vessel. I promise you God will fill you up. Bring something to work with, and I promise you God will fill you up.